Today's gonna be a little different, today and next week, um, just in kind of style and what we're gonna be talking about. Um, it's stuff I normally do in a, I'm gonna be at the whiteboard, that's why I'm this way. Um, it's the stuff I normally do in a counseling context, with just like one or two people. Um, but it, it's stuff that I think should be more widely understood because I think it's super, super helpful. Um, to kick us off, I got a couple verses here. Turns out God really cares not only about our relationship with him, but about our relationship with each other. And that's something that's all throughout the New Testament. And it turns out it really matters to God how we relate to each other. Um, husband and wife, parents and kids, friends, church family. Okay? It really matters to God. Um, Romans 12, 16 through 18 states it really nicely, I think. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. That's always been a problem for me. <laughs> so There's a good verse for that. Um, repay no one evil for evil. That's tough to live up to. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. And I like that Paul puts that as so long as it depends on you in there because yeah. if the other person's just not there for that, <laughs> then it's tough to live at peace with someone. But he's like, as do, on your part, do everything you can. Yeah. Don't repay evil for evil. If they're a jerk, don't be a jerk back. <laughs> if they talk behind your back, don't talk behind their back, right? Um, as far as it depends on you, live in harmony. Um, James 4.1. There's a lot of stuff on this topic in James. Um, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Peter says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And so Peter is pointing the finger back at the people. Peter probably got a letter from someone saying, these guys don't know what they're doing. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, mm, check yourself. Yeah. Don't these problems that you're having mainly come from your own selfishness, your own desire to be right, to be seen, to be whatever it is. So like, be careful because a lot of your desire to quarrel is actually coming from yourself. And he's not saying those people were particularly evil. All humans are like that. We are all self-centered. We are all selfish, right? So Peter's like, careful. Some of these quarrels might not really be from them so much as it is about you. And also first, uh, Peter 3.7. This is uh, one of the most unpopular verses in the New Testament. <laughs> Likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers may not be hindered. It is. That's just proof. But see, we have the Holy Spirit, so he can do anything. Um, and it says husbands, but I think it's you know applicable to all married people. So live with your spouse in an understanding way so that your prayers may not be hindered. What? So our prayers won't get answered if we're not living in an understanding way with our spouse? Yeah, that's literally what it says. That's why it's a super unpopular verse, right? And so I want to talk today about living in an understanding way with each other. This isn't solely husband and wife. It's other relationships as well. But I think in general, the closer relationship you have with someone, the more this will probably be an everyday kind of occurrence. Um, but it's true with others as well. Um, understanding each other, understanding ourselves is really, really helpful for being able to live in harmony and peace with each other. 
Because like I said, we are all self-centered. We are all selfish, right? We tend to think, this is natural human behavior, to think that the way we do things is the right way to do things. Right? But the thing is, most people are not us. In fact, no one is us but us, right? And so most people respond differently to situations than we do. Most people go about things differently. It is natural human behavior to say, this is the right way to do it. That is the wrong way. There are a lot of wrong ways and only one Nate way. Okay? That is natural, and we all think that. Insert other names for Nate. Actually, don't, because my way is the right way. No. Um, but that's just natural, okay? It's natural, but it's not good. A lot of stuff that's natural needs to be killed, buried in baptism, and become supernatural for us, okay? And this is just one of those things. This is one of our old nature things that we need to let die and be buried. Because everybody's different, and other ways of doing things aren't bad. They might be different, but they're not bad. But that's how we naturally look at them. And so I'm, I'm not talking so much about personality differences. Personality inventories can be helpful. Um, but I'm going to talk about one specific thing today, a way that each of us are wired. We tend to be wired differently. And there's no right or wrong way to be wired. We're just different. Okay? God made us the way he made us. But with each of us, there's pros and cons to the way we're wired. And it's helpful to understand how we are. And it's helpful to understand how other people are. So that we can see, oh, you're not being inconsiderate. This is, you just didn't think of it. It didn't occur to you. I was counseling um, a young woman one time. They were, they'd been only married for a couple of years. She was a good, wonderful Christian woman, but really disappointed that her husband was very inconsiderate. And I was like, okay, let's talk about that. Well, as it turns out, he had no idea he was being inconsiderate <laughs> because he didn't know he was supposed to do these things. Exactly. He didn't know he was supposed to ask her about her day, specifically that's what it was. How was your day? Listen to what she said, commiserate with her about the difficult things, celebrate with her the positive things. Instead, it's just like, how you doing? Let's have dinner, let's do this. And, he, and after two years, she had never spoken about it and it built up, built up, built up. Okay, we've, most of us have been here if we've been married more than five minutes. Um, maybe not this exact one, but something like it, right? And so she's like, he's so inconsiderate, and I'm trying to be a good wife and lay it down and give it to God, but it bothers me all the time. And then, you know, I'm talking about it, it's like, well, you know, Peter, be careful it's not something in you. And in this case, it wasn't something bad. It wasn't something sinful. She had an expectation because she's wired in a certain way, and he was not, and it never occurred to him to do that. And when he found out, he was devastated. He was devastated. It actually took longer to, like, restore him emotionally than it did to get her to let it go because he felt so horrible. Because he was really trying to be a good husband, but his way of being a good husband was to do stuff. He was a doer. She was a feeler. And they didn't connect. They were both working really hard to love one another. They were both working really hard to honor one another. And they never touched. And it was super sad. So this is what we're talking about today. We are all wired differently in our motivation. This is specifically talking about how we respond to situations and kind of go through life, okay? There's thinking, feeling, and doing are, I think, the three primary things that motivate us. We're all, we all do all these things, okay? Um, and 
since in the West we tend to view time linearly, um, which might not actually be true, but I'm just going to write it in a timeline. Um, we're going to go left to right because we're in America, uh -huh. and our Japanese are mostly gone today, so they won't bother them. Um, so in a timeline from left to right, we all do all these things in response to situations that come up in life. So many times a day. We all have motivations. We all do all of them. And I'm just going to write them on a timeline here. So let's say in this situation, someone is motivated to do something almost, let's actually erase that. Like as soon as a situation happens, this person is motivated to do something about it immediately. Boom. That's really fast. It's a little unusual. Right after that, they think about it. And they think it through. And in this case, this is a real person. In this case, the thinking and doing then kind of dance along together. And way down here, they feel about it. OK? So way down here, at the very end, they feel about it. Um, so thinking, feeling, and doing. We all do all of these things in response to any given situation, but this person is definitely a doer. Their primary motivation is to do. All these things take place. The primary motivation is often the first thing that you want to do. You're immediately motivated to do that. Not always, but usually. So this person is constantly motivated to do something about whatever is happening, or just to do something in general. They wake up and they want to do something. And halfway through the thing they're doing, they want to do something else, oftentimes. That's a doer. They never stop, and they really tire out everybody around them. Um, by the way, this is my wife, by the way. This is her. I wrote her motivational line down with permission. Um, not just because she's not here today. Um, talk about getting in trouble and being inconsiderate. Um, no, with permission. So th this, is, this is that. Um, but everybody's different, OK? This person um, is a doer. It happens to be my wife. Um, so it also is a good friend of mine from college. And this is our, my experience with the, these two people is what kind of led to this understanding of how important this kind of stuff was. So this is my one friend. And we wanted our friends to get together, right? We're like, oh, I think that would be a good match. <laughs> and this is her. And now I'm going to do, do him. So here's his timeline. And he. He starts thinking like before a situation fully transpires, like immediately. And right away, he starts feeling about it. And he has this interesting philosopher soul and this thinking and feeling dance back and forth for a really long time. And at an absolutely devastatingly long distance away, he does something about it. Okay. So we, we were in a wedding in St. Louis or somewhere. I'm not going to name them because they occasionally listen to the podcast. But um, So we're at a wedding in St. Louis, and we sort of not so subtly force them in a car together by themselves on, to drive back to the Twin Cities. We stopped for gas, and I sent Sarah to talk to her. Like, so how did it go? And she is like, my friend, is just, ah! I don't think I can drive the rest of the way with him. Yeah. <laughs> what? He is the nicest human. I've used him as examples multiple times in sermons because he's so awesome. Um, 
And so I'm like, there's no way he said something offensive, right? So, and so he's, he's a thinker. Um, she'll ask him a question, and he won't answer. Because he can't. Unless it's a question he's fairly recently answered, he doesn't know the answer. And these are questions like, so what, how, how are you doing with school and the transition from here to, yeah, that's a good question. That's a really good question. And, and he wouldn't answer her, and it infuriated her. She couldn't handle it. And so actually what he usually would do is he, he would then flip it and ask her a question. Yeah, well, how did you deal with this transition from this to this? And then as he was listening to her, he would listen. But he would also be thinking about his own answer. And so maybe two hours later, then, then he circles back to answering her question. And she's just like, what is this guy's deal? Does he not want to talk to me? He's a good listener. Everybody knows he's a good listener. He is now a family counselor, by the way. Um, so he's a fantastic listener. But it's like he's not opening up. Is, is, it was her response. He's not opening up. He's not answering questions. And it's just she was just infuriated by it. Um, because one of the downsides of being a doer is that your tendency is to be very impatient with other people's lack of doing. Okay? That's a con. It's not a, it's not a sin, really. It's not an evil, but you could let it become a sin if you start judging people for being stupid. Right? What is your problem? You're lazy. I'm not lazy. i got to think about this first. Like, what? You know, um, getting a little too autobiographical there because this is my wife. Um, not the same person I'm talking about. They just happen to have the same exact motivational makeup, same exact wiring, which is probably why I got along with her so well too. You know, my friend. It's probably why we got along so well because I also get along with my wife pretty well <coughs> most of the time. So, so the thinker and the doer, man, it was rough. And so she, she had determined about nine minutes into the drive that this was never going to work, right? Well, after a couple of years of hanging out more in groups and understanding stuff and me seeing this, and I taught on this in a small group, um, she sort of started to see this is how I'm wired. This is how he's wired, and it's just really different. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. That it took her a long time to get over that. What is your problem, right? Because in reality, in reality, depending on the situation for him, this can be like weeks. No joke. We need, to get, we need to get a new car pretty soon. The car's dying. I think it's done. We've made a determination. The car's done. We need to get a new one. Okay. She sits down at the computer, and she is ready within a day at the most of hardcore research, and she's picked it out. Right? And he's like, no. He needs to think about such things for a long, long time long time, right? Now, the doers can easily make fun of that and be frustrated with that. But the interesting thing is, um, he, I, I like to teach on hearing the voice of God, and I've taught about it for years and years. He's, he picked it up faster than anybody else I've ever taught, how to hear the voice of God. He picked, he picked that up faster than anyone else because he's this. He's a thinker and a feeler, and he's fine with waiting. He expects it to take a long time to get an answer to something, because that's how he is. And it turns out God often speaks to us in that way. 
where it takes time. I'm good at hearing the voice of God through much practice, not through my own personality or motivational wiring. My motivational wiring is, let's get this done, and let's think about it, and why am I not hearing anything? Ah, and I quit. And then I come back later. So I have learned perseverance. He didn't need to. He just got good at this right away. It was really interesting to me. Um, also, when he does finally get here, he is a rock. He's like, this is what has been determined. This is what we will do. And he is confident, and he is strong, and no amount of the enemy's distraction or attacks or anything can, can sway him because he knows what he's supposed to do. So there's real strengths to this as well, but there's also some difficulties. Um, they're married now, and they have three kids, and they're doing pretty well, because, mostly because he learned to be patient with her <laughs> wanting to get stuff done immediately and whatever. Gives her a lot of tether. And then she has learned to be patient with him and has learned to work around the natural difficulty here. Because this is a lot of natural difficulty. So she will say, it seems to me that down the road, we're probably going to need to get a new car, right? Yes, OK. So I'm leaving that with you now. You do your thing however long it takes to think about and process that. And let me know when you want me to jump into that. And I'll jump in with you with the answer. Uh, or with what I've come up with, right? And so she has learned that he needs time. And that's not bad. He can't, you can't spring on him a, give me a testimony about what happened last weekend. <laughs> no. He, he, can't, he can't do that. Now, if you give him a week to plan to give a testimony, he can nail it, right? But he's, he's not an off-the-cuff person. But that works for them because they've learned to understand each other. They've learned to understand how they're different and allow each other's strengths to come to the forefront while kind of understanding the hindrances that they also have. And that's difficult. It took work. That's a lot of work, okay? And it took work, but it, it worked. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do mine now to compare it to my wife's. So I am like my friend, a thinker, primarily. My primary motivation is to think things through. But I do pretty soon. I, I think very fast. And I'm able to start doing here. But then I'm thinking and doing all the way, and I'm changing my mind, and I'm retooling as I continue to think or as I see how things work, and I'm thinking and doing and thinking and doing. But like my wife, I feel at the end. In fact, I feel even later than she does. In fact, sometimes I don't feel at all until the next time the situation comes up. And it's like, oh, this, uh, this is happening again? This happened before, thinking. I'm a thinker, right? This happened before. Let's pull that file. I pull the file. I read through it. And in there is the emotional response I had to that situation, which I've never consciously thought about. But I see it in my file, in my brain. I say, oh, this made me really upset. Huh. So why is that? Think, think, think. Maybe it's because I did it wrong. Let's do it differently this time. But again, that feeling happened like almost afterwards. You know. Now, a feeler looks at me and thinks I'm a monster, oftentimes. Because while a situation is happening, I do not feel. Sarah and I actually both have the ability to completely turn off our emotions, flip a switch. And it makes us great in crisis mode, OK? Makes it great when all the kids are sick and weird things are going on. Um, it makes her a great surgeon. 
ah, blood everywhere. She, ah, she's dying. No, no emotion about this. We fix the problem. After it's all done, then she can freak out about it. But she turns it off until then. You can't, you can't, you can't, I'm not going to say you can't be a feeler and be a surgeon, but it would be a lot harder. It would be, it would, it would be difficult, okay? Um, thinkers and doers tend to look at people who react emotionally right away, and they, they look at that as a weakness oftentimes. That's not good, right, to look at it that way. And they judge, and, oh, you're so emotional, blah, blah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just how they're wired, and you're not wired that way. People who are so emotional and feeler first, and feeler always, um, they look at someone like me who doesn't feel in a situation often at all until it's done, or can shut it off at least until a time where it can be dealt with better, they look at us as monsters. How are you not feeling anything? You're like a stone. You're, you're, like, you're like not even human. You're a robot. I've had people tell me that. You're like a robot. And I'm like, I guess. Um, it's, I, robots are really efficient. I actually don't have a problem with that. Um, because that's how I'm wired. You know, I can flip that off and be a robot and then turn it back on. And to me, that's a good thing. To them, that makes me a monster, right? Um, and they're not wrong, and I'm not wrong. We're just different. Live in an understanding way with your spouse, with your friends, with people in your house, that sort of thing. Understand that we're different from each other. So Sarah and I, that might look pretty similar to you. And it is in some ways. This is, this is interesting. Um, but she's an immediate doer and a thinker right away, and then they, they play together, and I'm a thinker and a doer a little bit later, but pretty quick, which is why Sarah could stand me. If I was this, she couldn't, she couldn't do that. And she said that years ago when, they, when we were realizing that this was what it was and we were learning all this stuff. She's like, I could not handle him. And so she commiserated with, <laughs> with our friend. She's like, I, no, I just I couldn't do it. It would drive me nuts. Um, I wake up in the morning, and she has already done a bunch of stuff and has planned everything else out and is like, so, what would you like to do today? <laughs> Being super nice and considerate, and I'm like, well, what did you have in mind? <laughs> this is what we're doing today. Um, it, is, it is predestined. She's just being considerate, right? Um, and I try to make a decision D, D stands for doing, but decision is also a good word for it. I try to make a decision quickly for her sake. But sometimes I will say, okay, my initial thought, because I, I do think quickly, my initial reaction to this is that maybe we should do this, but I need to think about it a little bit more still. Or let's start this process, but then let's keep thinking about it as, as it goes. You know, because different situations are different, right? In, our, in lives, how to deal with kids, how to respond to this, how to do that. Um, so I try to get along <laughs> by, by doing that, and she tries to get along by being patient with me and by letting me know that, uh, and this took a while in our marriage, she would have already thought everything through and be in the process of doing something, and then like, come along with me as we're doing this <laughs> thing, you know, and I'm like, I don't even know what we're talking about. Like, what subject is this? I don't know, and she's already there. Um, th this happened for the first few years of our marriage. Um, this happened all the time. It actually still happens all the time. But for the first few years of our marriage, it bothered me because I let it, because I didn't understand this. 
What's weird is I understood this, but I hadn't applied it to our lives. It was because we were, oh, we're married, you know, honeymoon time, and I wasn't, like, doing this. So this is a simple thing, but every single day it happens, and eventually you can let that get, get on you when something is little. So we'll be preparing dinner. She is always ready and seated before me because her motivation is to do to get it done. The thing to get done isn't making the food. The thing to get done is to eat the food. Okay? So that's the goal. The goal is to sit and eat. That's, that's the do. That's the goal for her. Um, it's not a process for her in this case where she's, I'm doing something, I'm making dinner. That's actually more doing than eating. But not to her. To her, the goal is to eat. So she's sitting, always seated before me, always has her food ready before me. Even if we made it together, she, she's there because we're doing food now. And I'm like, so, you know, I'm thinking about something else. We're trying to have a conversation. Um, so she'll sit down. I'm still in the kitchen, always. And then she's like, oh, I forgot my water. I filled it up, but I left it on the counter. Can you grab it? This is every day. Sure. Grab the water. Bring her the water. Go back to the kitchen. Still working on my food. Ah, I need a fork. Can you grab me a fork? Sure. I go, and I get her a fork, and I bring it. Oh, where's the salt? Where'd the salt go? Well, the salt's in the kitchen where it always is. Oh, can you grab me the salt? Sure. I get her two, three, four things every meal. Every meal. This is not an exaggeration. She would laugh if she were here. I'm not making fun of her. This, was, this is our life. And at first, I didn't care. And then it got a tiny bit annoying. And then it was like, you're doing it wrong. That was my response. Because that's not me. I think about everything I need. Before I sit down, I have thought about everything I need. And I make a checklist. And I double check. Before I, that's for real. I do that. I double check everything all the time. Do I have everything I need? Does everyone have everything they need? Now I will sit. Because I'm lazy, I don't want to get back up. Um, and so that's me, and so that's how it should be. Right? It's not, life isn't hard. Just make sure you have everything before you sit down. How hard is that? Impossible, it turns out, for her. Because that wire doesn't connect to this wire in her brain. Okay? Because her motivation is to get stuff done. And when I realized that it's not that she was lazy or, or rushed or forgetful, I, I thought she was super forgetful when we first got married. I thought she was super forgetful. And I'm like, oh, part of my role now as a husband is going to help her not be super forgetful. She would lose her wallet, keys, everything, all the time. And I'm like, oh, she's forgetful. She loses stuff. Turns out she's not. It's just she's so motivated by doing that current actions almost don't exist for her. There is no present for Sarah. There's only future. And so she walks into the house, and she, in her mind, is already making dinner or doing whatever the next thing is. So the phone and the sunglasses, they just end up wherever they end up because she doesn't care about them anymore because they're in the past. Does that make sense? So her motivation, she, she, she's better now, but she used to have bruises all over her shins all the time because she ran into furniture. She ran into the coffee table constantly because in her mind, she's already in the kitchen getting something, and these stupid objects in space are just in her way. She doesn't care about them. And so she would run into stuff all the time because she's a doer. Because she's so In her head, she's already there doing the next thing. Okay? Um, she got much better, and I realized that she's not forgetful. But she's just she's so motivated by doing that she wants to sit down and start dinner and you know, all the other stuff. 
I can make up for that, <laughs> and I can help her with that. But it, it, when I realized this, it helped me, and I had to repent and sort of like deal with some of that stuff and be like, oh, she's not wrong. She's not bad at life or whatever. She's just very different than me, very different from me. And I'm annoying, too, in different ways, right? Um, like this. Some people find this super annoying. She, she feels way later than most people do, but not as late as me. And so sometimes she will, you know, have an emotional response to something that I haven't even thought of yet, and I have to try to then be considerate and realize. And also, her emotions tend to stay longer than mine. I often will just ch check in, you know, turn the switch on, turn it back off, be a robot again. Um, I'm not saying I'm never emotional. Uh, people who I've ministered to or counseled or prayed for or prophesied for would find this hard to believe because I tend to be very emotional. I cry a lot when I'm praying for people and stuff like that. But that's all Holy Spirit. That's prophetic. That's Holy Spirit stuff. That's the emotion of God allowing that to come through me. So I'm really emotional in those kind of settings, but that's all Holy Spirit. In and of myself, robot. <laughs> okay? Um, and so we get along together well, and we've gotten along together much better since we started to realize these differences, to understand our, each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses. Um, and it's been really, really helpful. Um, the, the first step is realizing that everybody else isn't wrong. They're not doing it wrong. They're wired differently. God made them that way. Praise God. They're different. Paul and Karen are really different, too. I'm not going to write them on there because... <laughs> because they're not here. It was like talking behind their back. But um, you can be very different and get along really well. But the only way that's going to work is if you really understand the other person, you learn to love and accept the way God made that person, and then you see each other's differences, and you're like, okay. And you talk about it. Communication is helpful, and that's harder for some than it is for others. Um, like It's harder to talk it through with this person because they don't know what they think yet until way down the road. But just give them time. Give them the time they need. Be kind. And then you can talk it through, and they will have a lot to say. If you give them the amount, right amount of time, they will have a lot to say. They've probably thought, thought it through better than you. <laughs> okay? Um, but if we understand ourselves and then understand each other, it's just really, really helpful, especially in a marriage, but also parent and kid. Okay? Um, we have three kids. We have a thinker, we have a doer, and we have a feeler. We find, none of them are here, which is good. We find that we have a much easier time with the thinker and the doer. The feeler is hard for us to parent. We don't know what to do. We, we don't relate. We don't understand. We don't know how to respond. It's, it's, it's easy to get frustrated. Just relax. Just stop that. You know, do it right. You know, but that's not right. They're a feeler. They can't change that. Um, the youngest one is the doer, but she's very strong-willed. And so we fight with her, too, for different reasons. Uh, but um, it's, really, it's really, really tough for us to parent that. And so we have to make up for that by praying a lot more and by trying to understand her and realize that she's different. And that's okay. That's wonderful. The way God made her is wonderful. And we're just not naturally really well suited to understand her. But that's on us. We're the parents, right? 
God made her the way he did on purpose. And so sometimes it's harder than others, okay? And you might have to work at this. With, if you and your spouse are really different or, or you have, you know, things that you can see that, well, these look pretty similar, but the D up front makes it, you know, can make some, some waves. Um, what I want you to do is grab the piece of paper that got handed out, grab a pen, and I want you to write down you. Make your best guess, okay? Write down yourself. Write it on a timeline. Decide, you know, am I primarily motivated to think? Am I primarily motivated to do? Or am I primarily motivated to feel about a situation or a person or a relationship? And then give, give a stab at writing up a timeline of what you think you do in, in that order. Sometimes feelers don't even like doing this because it seems very artificial and subjective, but give it a shot. The church needs all three to function well, by the way. We need thinkers, feelers, and doers. I've been in churches where almost everybody was a thinker, and it got pretty cold <laughs> sometimes. Um, and not a lot of people got reached out to because they were all thinking. I've been at churches where they're all doers, mostly. And like attracts like, so that's understandable. But what they did often didn't mean much because there was no one around to think it through and no one around to say, if don't do that, they'll be really offended. You know? And I've not been a part of a church that were all feelers, but I've gone to churches that were mostly feelers. And... That's a very different, you know, it's a very different kind of thing. Um, so we need each other. Please, comment. Right. So somebody who is um, uh, like a feeler or, or whatever, I mean, a doer or whatever, last, uh, that gets shoved way back in, into more of a current timeline because what you've done, you're used to doing it, you've done it over and over and over and over. Yes. It's a great point. And I'm not saying... I'm not saying that this person's bad at feeling. And I'm not saying that that person's bad at doing. This isn't a what you're best at necessarily. It's what you're naturally motivated to do. And so feeling is towards the end for me. I'm a pastor. That's kind of a problem. It's hard to be pastoral if you're, if you're not a feeler. But because of this is who I am, I have had to shore up my weaknesses by really relying on the Holy Spirit in the pastoral care area. And that works. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to be for us, right? He wants to make up those differences. And so if you look, looked at my work profile, it would be a little different than this. Feeling would be way further up because that's how I have to operate in a pastoral setting. Does that make sense? So at you, some people find that they have different modes. Yeah. Work mode, this mode, that mode. When Sarah was in the Air Force, she had multiple modes. She had Air Force mode. You have to salute, and you have to say yes, sir, even when someone says something stupid. And when the boss says do this, and you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, 
you, you just have to do it, right? And then she has work mode where she's the boss. She's telling everybody else what to do so that someone doesn't die and that the baby's born well and all that kind of stuff, right? And then at home, she's a little bit different. But there have been times at home where I've had to say, I'm not a scrub tech. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, the, the first couple times it happened, it was a little like this, because I didn't do it in a very good way. Now it's sort of a joke that I can say that reminds her not to be in doctor mode when she's at home. Because um, she, she'll, she'll, can you give me this, give me that, do this, do that, dude. I'm like, whoa, 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 it's, we're going on a hike, sweetie, you know. <laughs> Relax, it's all good, exactly. It's supposed to be fun, yeah. That's, that is, so that is me. I'm a thinker, so I am always thinking. I'm always motivated by thinking. Sarah's a doer. She's always motivated by doing. So I think about something, then I'm willing to start doing it or make a decision to start moving forward. Um, but I, this whole time I'm thinking. I am rethinking. I am evaluating. I am saying, is this working or is this not? Should we turn? Should we take another route? I'm not one of those people who plugs in a route and just, I'm going to follow that route, and that's it. It's like, no, I will turn 40 different times if that's what has to happen to make things work right. And so I am always rethinking, reevaluating, and changing. Sarah has a little more difficulty with the changing aspect of it because she's like, but we're doing this. It's like, I know, but I think this will work better. Do you agree? Well, she can think too. So she thinks, yeah, okay, I guess that'll probably work better. But it bugs her more to change direction or to, or to rethink or to be like, this is not working. We got to go back and make a different decision, or next time we have to make a different decision. Um, yeah, Laura. Yep, for sure. Could be. They they're due could be way early. It just depends. These are it's all different. And, and, it, uh, it, it really and is. No, no, I, I will say this. I will. I know that I'm vegan. Perfectly vegan. I get that piece. I do. I'm a lot like you. You tell me to pray, I'll probably get sad. You know, or tearful when I'm praying because the Holy Spirit leads me like that. But there's a side of me that will think and do, man. You get the job done because it's for the other people, mm -hmm. especially. No, no, no. It is hard for me. Here's the, the others are suffering at the expense of the doer. I get you. Um, and the same could be true for suffering at the expense of the doer. Of the doer. Who just, why'd or you do this? You, you could have thought through this through before you did yeah. something. You wrecked it. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to get it done. It's not my fault. 
yeah, but you wrecked it, you know. So that it could be true with any one of these. They all have strengths. They all have weaknesses. That's why it's important to know yourself and each other. To be like, this is my strength. I know this is my weakness. I'm not great at changing my weakness because it's a weakness. That's why we need each other to help shore up those weaknesses, I think. But... But, but no, there, you're right. There is some self in what you just said, but there's also some just noticing the reality of the situation in what you said. There's always a mix, okay? So we automatically think we're right. We do it right. This is the right way to do it. The other person, it's not working. They're not doing life very well. Um, and it could be that that person does have a weakness in making decisions and getting stuff done, and that might just be a weakness for them that they hopefully can work on, can realize first. Understanding comes first, right? And then can maybe work on to be like, nope, I do need to work on this, and I need to work uh, for a doer. Often, they need to work on follow-through. Doers are often really bad at follow-through. Um, for example, they might be taking their son skiing with their school class last week. And, <laughs> and they get out all the snow gear, and they get out all the ski stuff, and they get everything ready. They prepare, and they do it, and they do it up great, and it's still sitting in the living room now after skiing's done. Yeah, exactly. Because it never got put away, because I don't care about it now. I'm not motivated by this pile of ski stuff. I already skied. I'm done. Yep. That's something else I got to So I don't care. I want to do this now. That's way last week, okay? So that follow-through can be a weakness for doers. Um, not realizing people's feelings and emotions is a major weakness for people like me. So I have learned with 20 years of marriage and over 20 years of ministry to force myself to think about feelings. I can't make myself feel something. That's literally impossible. But I can think about another person's feelings. And through training and practice and doing terrible things, sometimes I have learned to think about another person's emotional response, to take that into account before I do stuff. Otherwise, I couldn't pass her. I mean, you just, you just can't do that. The Holy Spirit then makes up the rest of the weakness. But for her, her, I think you said, um, pray and, and, and pray for them for sure. Um, try to give them as much grace as you possibly can and just encourage maybe the working on the doing. Or... Um, maybe you can come around them and help with some of the doing. And like, for, for example, some people are just not great at planning. Planning's hard for them. We, Sarah and I are planners. We're researchers. Like, we can do that. Easy. It, it's easy for us. I actually enjoy it, which other people find insane. You like planning things? That's gross. Um, we had people stay with us in Japan who it took them two and a half days to pack before they left. Two and a half days they spent packing. Well, what should we put in here? I don't know. Well, what are we? I don't know. And, and, and after the first day, we're like, <sighs> do we say something? Do we do something? And, and, and while we were still thinking about it, Sarah started doing something, which makes sense, right? Um, she's like, hey, you know, we want to spend more time hanging out with you. I know you're almost going to go. Um, can we help you pack? Is there something we can help with so that we can free up the time um, and hang out more? She didn't say, because you're driving us nuts. It doesn't take two and a half days to pack. It takes like 35 minutes max, right? Uh, and so we help them. We help them plan. What do you need on the plane? Oh, I don't know what we need on the plane. Oh, for the love. Yeah. <laughs> 
What do your kids like to do on the plane? Okay. And so we helped them plan. We helped them pack. We got it done in a couple hours, and then we played, and it was awesome. But they just needed help because they just weren't good at it. And that's not their fault. It's not your fault when you're not good at something. You either need to be trained and learn how to do it, which is possible, or you need somebody to help you, and that's okay. Micah. That's good. Yeah. Yep, that's a really that's a really great point. And trust is a feel. Yeah. Trust is an emotion. Yeah. That's great. Yep. That's really helpful. Joel. The feelers in my family are the ones that uh, are there for kids. When they're not there, it seems like we don't have time. Mm. Sure. I totally agree with you. I totally agree. And that's, that's been my experience in churches, too. I'd like to think the thinking church because I'm a thinker. But after a certain period of time, it's like, this place is just dead. Yeah. It's just, it's just dead. It's intellectually stimulating, and therefore I like it. But yeah, Jesus was moved with compassion and did stuff. Jesus was a feeler and a thinker and a doer. It's really hard to peg down what Jesus was. And he wasn't everything. A lot of people are like, Jesus was everything at once. No, that would make him inhuman. He was a human person. I don't know which one he was. It's really hard to peg him down because of the Holy Spirit factor. He was filled with the Spirit, and he did only what he saw the Father doing. He might have been a doer. But he did only what the father stopped doing. What, what incredible humility that would take. Yeah. I can only do what the father lets me to do, but I want to do so bad all the time. That would be tough, but it was Jesus. Um, he might have been a feeler. It says move with compassion, move with compassion. He did this, did that. That was like his primary motivation to minister to people, but that could have come from the Holy Spirit. And I've only recently read it that way because that's how it is for me. Moved with compassion, he did this. Well, who moved him? It could have been himself. That could have been his natural incarnation, but it might not have been. He might not have been particularly naturally compassionate in his wiring. It might have been the Holy Spirit moving him with compassion. I don't know. Um, but the point is he did it right <laughs> because he was submitted to the Holy Spirit, and he shored up any you know, weaknesses he might have had in his wiring. I'm not talking about weaknesses like sin. Obviously, this is Jesus we're talking about. Um, and he went with his strengths. And that's part of the reason why he had a group of guys around him and a group of gals around him. People always think of the guys, but the gals were there too, all the time. Yeah, he stayed there. That was that was a that might have been a thinking thing over trumping the uh, feeling thing, but that was so inconsiderate of him, right? What about his poor mom? She lost her mind. Yeah. Where is he? 
with worry, right? As anyone, any parent would. But it's not like he was being a jerk. It wasn't inconsiderate for Jesus to do that. He was just motivated to be talking to these guys and to be banding stuff back and forth because that's part of what he was called to do. So, so we got to be careful when we're looking at what other people do to not judge them too much. Yes, sometimes people do wrong things, obviously. People sin, people make mistakes, people do wrong things. But give them, start off with giving grace and mercy first and realize that they might not be inconsiderate. They might not be a jerk. They might not be overly emotional. This might just be the way they're wired, and I need to realize that. This can be really helpful in work situations. Um, I really boned up on this kind of stuff. When Andrew Anderson, Paul's oldest, and I were planting a church at the University of Minnesota when we were in seminary at the Master's Institute, because we realized very quickly that we were very different. So different that we were not communicating to each other. I would say this, and this would be heard. And he would say this, and that's apparently not what he actually meant. And, and it, it was really hard. So we, we put in a couple months of hardcore studying this and studying ourselves and talking to other people. Um, it was really cool. It was like marriage counseling for two dudes planning a church. Um, but it was really, really helpful and really great. Um, and it helped me to be better at trying to figure out how other people operate. And it's, it can be really helpful at work, especially someone you work closely with that you're just not connecting with. Um, but it's incredibly helpful for, for spouses. It's incredibly helpful in, in parenting. I mean, it's really helped us to understand that, no, she's not wrong. She's not messed up. She's not crazy. She's very different than me. And I need to realize that and give her grace ahead of time. And I'm trying to. I'm not there. Because <laughs> I still am like, you're wrong. <laughs> you're not doing it right. This is the right way. Um, but I'm trying to instead be like, nope, she might be right. Or at least it might be right for her. Or, you know, it's, but it's tough. It is tough. I'm not saying this is easy stuff, but Steve. And I do want to end soon so that uh, people can go. We're a little bit over. But you know, no, you can, you can say. Well, I was just going to say, I know this is a private space and no one but ask, but the individual I love, and there's a, it, she was raised there. So whichever mom, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, and I do get checks from the Holy Spirit. Like, you just shut your mouth. I get that. And I get that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. And I think that's part of the giving grace is you got to give space for people. You got to give space for this guy to decide what he wants to do. It's not fair to push him to make a decision here, you know? And it's not fair to push a feeler to think things through before they've emotionally processed them. It's not fair, and it's not going to work. And so we need to learn to give each other grace, give each other space, and that that's okay. And it takes a lot of patience, and we most most of us are terrible at patience, right? <laughs> um, Steve. Do you think, I mean, we're, we're um, applying this or designing this for different people, but do you think Jesus being submissive to the, his Father and the Holy Spirit, and if we're like that, he, he might uh, switch our order? Yes. Okay. Yep. He, you know, we might not be primarily a thinker. Um, we think. Everybody thinks. But we not, might not be primarily a thinker. But 
in a situation when we submit to the Holy Spirit, he can help us think through something and figure something out. Absolutely. He can make up for that weakness. And so we need to look to God and each other to help shore up those weaknesses. And it's not a weak. Even calling this a weakness like is, isn't quite right. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just different, and it makes it difficult for him in some situations and difficult for her in some situations because they are so different. But it's not like weakness in the sense of bad. It's just to her, that's a weakness for sure. But to him, this is just nuts. That's a weakness to him, right? And so, like, it's not weakness like bad. It's just, but sometimes we do need help. And I, that, that's why the more we can understand each other, the better I think we can get along. And it's, it's more true the closer you are or work with someone. So spouses, this is just vital to me. Um, kids, for sure, but people you work closely with, leadership teams, understanding how each other is different. So they're like, he's, he's saying this. Well, that's, that's just him. That's just the way he is about this. And after he's thought it through more, he'll, he'll have a different response. And we can just give that grace so that everything doesn't have to turn into an argument. Understanding this and understanding each other can help keep conflict from happening. That's the goal with all this, is to try to preempt conflict. And it mostly happens through ourselves humbling ourselves and giving grace to the other person. Does that make sense? Um, next week, we are going to talk about how to deal with conflict when it, it happens. We weren't able to avoid it, or it showed up and surprised us. How do we deal with conflict in a productive way? And it is, some people are terrified of conflict and they hate it, so they try to avoid it, which is unhealthy. Other people rush towards conflict, which can also be unhealthy. Um, other people just want to win in any conflict. That's me. That's a problem, right? I want to conquer. I am born as a conqueror. Um, it's very bad in conflict because I want to win at the expense of the other person's well-being. That, but that Nate is dead, right? Dead, buried in my baptism, and I try to live out of the new creation. But that can be difficult sometimes, right? So we're going to talk about that. Right. Don't feed your zombie. Let it, let it stay dead. Let it stay dead. Um, I'll, I'll do the zombie Christianity series again after Lent. Um, all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for, well, first of all, we thank you for the way you made us. I know there, 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 there are times when some people really don't like the way they were made. Um, maybe that's because other people tell them they're made wrong or other people tell them they're super difficult to work with or difficult to live with or annoying or whatever. And if that's any of you, if any of you have a difficult time embracing who God made you, I just want to break that off of you in Jesus' name. Any negative words that might have been spoken over you or that you took from authority figures, parents, teachers, spouses, I just break any of that off of you in Jesus' name. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. The way God made you is the way God wanted you made. He didn't roll dice. He made you exactly how he wanted you. So, Lord, help us to learn to love that and to appreciate that, but also learn to lay it down and understand that there are inherent weaknesses in, in us, within us, in the way we were wired and ways we need to submit to you, ways that we need to ask you to make up for what we lack. There are a lot of things that I lack. 
that I just don't have. And I need you to make up. We all have that hurt. And help us to be more humble in our interactions, especially with each other. I pray that you'd help us to be able to give more mercy <laughs> and grace to people who are different from us. They might need more time in one area or another. Sometimes those people are really close to us and it can create a lot of conflict. So I pray that you would help us to humble ourselves, to remember that everybody's different and that's good, and teach us how to understand each other. 1 Peter 3, 7, live with understanding so that it doesn't hinder your prayers. I pray that you'd help us to do that. It's a humble road. Help us to walk or kneel, <laughs> crawl, down that road, that road towards better relationships. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.